And happy 4th of July weekend, everybody. I'm Mark Carey, the mayor's, the, the mayor's media director. I am with himself, the mayor of the great city of Quincy, Massachusetts, the cradle, the birthplace of the American dream is what we used to say. Great place to be. A lot of history here. A lot Certainly of history. Is. Sometimes we're overshadowed by being so close to Boston, but um, boy, oh boy, when you really look at, uh, of course, your life with you think of the Adamses and Jeffersons and Washington and all that. This is where it, this is where it began. I mean, John Adams. Uh, we could go on for hours about John Adams, yeah. right? And I know we've talked a little bit in the past, but right out of the box. So John Adams sat in his law office at his birthplace with a with a home that he lived in and wrote the Constitution for Massachusetts. You know, he had a little help, but he was the chief writer, chief author, and that became a model for the U.S. Constitution. I know we're hearing a lot about the Constitution these days with a lot of Supreme Court rulings. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, you know, imagine so. That was just, I mean, that in itself would be enough of a contribution in, in anything, right? But he was part of that 56 men who signed that Declaration of Independence. You think about that. Most of those at that time was 56 men come together for the Declaration of Independence. Now, when you really do the analysis on it, Mark, most of those guys are well off. Yeah. yeah they were living life pretty, pretty well. Right. Uh, Adams was not one of the more affluent ones, but... But living a good life, nonetheless. Yep. I mean, Washington, yep. Jefferson, they had slaves. They had thousands of acres of land and, and were living life quite well. Again, within that time period. I mean, they didn't have the stuff we have today. Right. But in that time period, these were mostly wealthy people. that They put it all on the line. You think about that. They were doing okay. They weren't happy with what the Brits were doing in the rule and, of course, taxation without representation. I mean, you could go on and on. Uh, but the reality is, if if things didn't work out, all of them would have been hung. That's their right. families would have been murdered. Yeah. Their their wealth would have been stolen from them, and their houses and properties would have been burned. It would have been a very different outcome. And nobody knew at the time how this was going to play out. Right. This was no safe bet. Um, in fact, it really the odds were stacked against them. If you were a betting person in that time, my guess is you would have bet on the Brits, the most powerful navy in the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. I think sometimes we don't really think about that, that these men put it all on the line for them and their family, their future, and didn't know what the outcome would be. And then, of course, the war went on, and, and uh, Washington led that effort, and, and we were successful. There's been debate ever since about you know how the government was set up, and I know there was, if you do the history, you do the research, there was a lot of discussion even amongst them at the time that we have a problem because... Guys like Adams were against slavery, and the Southerners were for slavery because they were they were using slavery to benefit their their own lifestyle and, and the gain of wealth. So they knew that, so they couldn't create that perfect document, but they had to start with something. Right, and they knew it would be revisited. I'm not so sure they knew it would be a civil war, but I th- I think they believed it would be re- revisited at some point, and and of course it it certainly was under President Lincoln, and then dealt with at that time, but. With all its warts, with all the negative things, it's still incredible what was designed, what was adopted, what we've lived by for all these years. And I think we got to. I think I think that's been forgotten. Uh, I, th- I think that in the discussions today about any particular topic, right? Uh, there's, right? There's the lack of decorum. There's a lack of respect for other people's opinions. If you degree, if you disagree with someone, you're a bigot or you're racist. Uh, and you and you shut off. It's 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 not what 
our founders had put together for us. I mean, and what government in the world, by the way, is 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 is. You said it with all of our warts, with all of our problems. There will always be problems with this humanity, right? But this country, in our constitution, in our in this Declaration of Independence, far outweighs anything else that's going on in the world, or has. Winston Churchill once said, "Democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the rest." (laughs) And 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 that sums it up. That sums it up. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. It never will be. And and by the way, the wording originally, when you see the wording, in order to form a more perfect, not a perfect, a more perfect union. Carefully so they crafted. knew out of the box. It was carefully crafted. The, these guys were brilliant. They really were. But the, let me get back to Adams a little bit because I, I think it's, it's worthy of talking a little bit more about his contribution. So, you know, when they, when, when they get together, he was a delegate uh, to that first convention for Massachusetts. He really became the driver for the, for the push for the revolution, the driver to break from Britain. Um, not many were al- that far along at that point. He was an instigator in the debate, in his discussions privately with the other delegates, and the, the, the floor debates. He, he was probably the most passionate of any of them. Now, some you know, called him um, uh, different names at the time. Yeah, him and did. Franklin went at it from time to time. Yeah. In fact, um, I'm trying to think of the word Franklin used, but I, I think reckless might have been one of the ones. But he, oh, there was some worse, there was a lot some, worse. Oh, there was, I'm sure there were a lot worse. But so, the, so they had their arguments, their debates, their fights. But at the end of the day, it was Adams who suggested Washington be the commander in chief. It was Adams who suggested Jefferson should be the chief writer of the Declaration, and he was assisted by Adams and Franklin, which showed incredible humility for when he was charged with. But the, see, that's uh, where he. That's where the, his mind was. He got it politically. He knew that without the South, without the Virginians, the prominence of the Virginians, it wouldn't happen. Right. Even though Boston was at the start of it, with with obviously the Tea Party, the Boston Massacre, Lexington, Concord, you know, down south, they, they, they weren't directly affected at that point, or weren't on the front line, so to speak. Right, right. That we were in New England, so. He knew exactly what he was doing in putting that this really this collaboration, if you will, together and being the instigator. So, and then of course the debates. You go back and look at the history. The debates of each of them. They debated, you know, not only concepts and ideas. They were debating what words to use in, in aspects of things. Yeah. Again, their brilliance in in mind. Um, and I and I know that well, certainly from my opinion and those from Quincy, I think that Adams's contributions were way understated. And I don't think as a nation we've shown the appreciation that we did for many of the others, including Washington and Jefferson. And David McCulloch really talked about that. Well, I was just going to say that because you know? that was, I mean, we, I know we both read that book in 1776. There's a lot of great books about the forming of the, of the birth of this nation, but he did an incredible job. His original uh, book was going to be on Thomas Jefferson, but he found that Actually, Adams, no, no, it was supposed to be on the both of them. Really? He was going to write about both of them. I thought it was Jefferson. And then he found so much on Adams. He said, there's too much here. I, I, you know, I'm just going to do it on John Adams. And yeah. a Pulitzer Prize yeah. winning novel later. But also uh, recommend, if, if you're around this weekend, if you have HBO, uh, watch John Adams. The first few episodes especially sort of, I mean, I don't love the way they portrayed John Adams. He wasn't necessarily like that, but they took a lot of poetic license. Yeah, they but did. they took his yeah. book. And the first few episodes really, get, there's a great, I think it's in the second episode, they explain how it was argued and how how they came about doing what you just talked about. Yeah, he he. Um, so so in in my opinion, he was way ahead of most of them in his thinking and laying out the strategy and how to pull this thing together. I think many were reactionary to some of the issues of the time. So I think he was like always a few steps ahead of them politically 
He had a great mind, an yeah. absolutely incredible mind, and as did many of the others. But Adams could sit and debate with the greatest minds, but he also had that street fight aside to him <laughs> that Jefferson and others really didn't have. Because he irked um, a lot of the Virginians. So he, oh, he did. Beginning. He aggravated the hell out of yeah, them, uh, yeah. but in a good way. In a good way, made them really think about things, yeah. uh, for sure. So he, so he got it. He was, uh, he was unique. And, and Abigail was no slouch. I mean, Abigail was at his side. Uh, the letters, of course, uh, historic letters. There's hundreds of them between the two of them when he was serving as nation overseas and in different diplomatic posts. And um, and she weighed in. <laughs> she, she did. She wasn't shy at all. In fact, amongst the first group of first ladies, she. She stands out way above anybody else. She was, she was debating her husband this stuff, and he respected that with her. He, he would look to her as a partner and his um, ballast, his ballast. Yeah. Even though at that time, I mean, it was we were, we were way behind. I mean, that was the times, right? Women couldn't vote. It was, uh, it was a different time, and it's hard to put today's standard. And apply it to those times because it was those times. That was history. That's what it was. But you can't look Ab- at history Ab- through today's lens. You no, you can't. can't. And, and Abigail Adams played a major role in support of John in her opinions and her thoughts about things. So, um, pretty powerful couple when you yeah. really look at it. So you think about the Washington uh, Monument because Washington was kind of revered. He was almost like a deity. He he was just. Nobody really talked ill of Washington. Mm. The others had their fights, Hamilton, Jefferson, Adams, Jefferson, amongst others. Washington was never like in those skirmishes. He was like a cut above. And mm. of course he was, he, was, he was also very bright, but he's probably the most respected out of any of them, really, when you look at it. Oh, he, yeah. was a, he was elected first president. He set the tone. He could have created himself king. Could have. Uh, and he also set the tone to do two terms. It was many years before somebody exceeded the two terms out of respect for that uh, tradition he had set really with limiting himself to the two terms. He couldn't wait to get back to Mount Vernon <laughs> to get, to tend to his farm and experiment horticulture. He, he had a lot of interesting talents uh, as a lot of them did at the time. Right. Mm. So I, I just think when you, when you visit DC and you see those monuments to some of the greats uh, it's a shame that Adams wasn't in that mix. And, and he talked about that. He, he was a little vain and he, and he, he talked, I don't have the words in front of me, but he, but he spoke about, you know, he would not be remembered. He would not have been considered one of the greats as 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 they were. Uh, and then, of course, as we all know, I think those listening know, and on the fiftieth anniversary. Well, that's what I was just going to ask. The founding you. of the country. Well, let's back up a little bit because that's. Let's talk about Adams and Jefferson. Now, for fifteen years, they they wrote letters back and forth when they were enemies before that. Yeah. But toward the end of their life, the last fifteen years of letters is also. Uh, something that's archived and incredible to read. Yeah, I think it was actually, uh, I don't know if it was Benjamin Rush, but one of the, what Adams' friends suggested, you guys should kind of regroup. But you I guys think, should talk. I also think that Abigail pushed that. She probably did. I know there was a, Abigail likes Jefferson in the early days. She didn't like what he did to her husband in later years. But, yeah, that's, um, a, that's another story. That's no, another. That was a whole other story. But, but yeah, um, Jefferson and, and Adams were friends. And uh, then and then his, his where it becomes... Uh, relevant to today. Adams is not reelected. Why? Because he went against his party. John Quincy Adams wasn't reelected. Why? Because he went against his party. They they were principled, yeah. and and they just wouldn't um, bend on certain issues. Right. Um, and and that's what led to the Adams Jefferson split, big time. One could argue that Jeff, Jefferson was almost treasonous under Washington. He was playing footsies with the French when, oh, yeah. when things were getting tricky. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that Jefferson 
is the guy that was portrayed in history. Look, and he was brilliant and extremely talented, but he owned a lot of slaves, lived up to Monticello. Um, I was reading one of my books, so when Washington ordered him, directed him to defend Richmond, he took off and went back to Monticello. He was afraid of the soldiers. I mean, yeah. uh, so, you see, you know, and nobody's perfect, right? Different, different you know, We're all flawed, character. You know, but... Uh, you know, they put him on that pedestal, and 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 uh, I I don't think he deserved that pedestal. But still, you can't put your your as you said the lens of today onto that on those times. But uh, so those two went at it, and and um, became bitter bitter rivals and enemies. And and in later years, they both have out of office, and they struck up that letter writing campaign back and forth. And I think Adams wrote more to Jefferson than he wrote back. But there are several letters back and forth. And you could see the melancholy. You could see the the aging, looking back now, and yeah. uh, you know, softening, if yeah. you will. Uh, certainly with Adams, and and then of course leading up to the the fiftieth anniversary, they died on the same day. Now, how poetic is that? Fiftieth anniversary on seventeen seventy six is why we the commemoration of Fourth of July, and then fifty years on on Fourth of July, they both die within an hour and a half from each other. Yeah. Right. It's amazing. It's That's an amazing absolutely. story. And, and of course, his, Adams' last words were, Jefferson, Jefferson lives. lives. Unbeknownst to him, Jefferson died a few you know, hours yeah. earlier. But yeah. in those days, it was, you know, it was days before you heard any news uh, yeah. about things because of the travel. And think about that for a second. He used to go to Philadelphia on horseback. Yeah. You know, we bitch when we get on a plane, wait in line. <laughs> think about that. And, and by the way, it wasn't just the, you know, perhaps the British finding you along the route, but, you know, the... Relations with the Indians weren't great at the time, indigenous people, and there was some ongoing battles there. So he was putting his life on the line, just getting on the horse, going to Philadelphia. Never mind yeah. what he said. I think wild. I think that stuff we just take for granted. We we should uh, we should every so often think back and and appreciate that history because it, you know, what we are enjoying today is is the result of what they did back in that those days in Philadelphia, you know? But even when John Adams took his son, his 14-year-old son, to the end of Howe's Neck to catch a, a skip to the, uh, the, to ship, the ship out there, yep, yep. and if they were caught by the English, they had to do it in the middle of the night in winter. Right. He took his kid on a boat, and they had to go to, across to uh, try and raise money for the war. Yeah, and, they, and, they, and they, it wasn't a great trip. No, it was terrible. It was a yeah. terrible trip. Right. Otherwise, it was... But what they did back then for what we have now is what you were just saying. That's right. The, the, I guess... The word I think about really is sacrifice. I mean, the and you look at the Adamses with the subsequent generations, the succeeding generations, did the same. And it was country first. Of course, John Quincy Adams, who was really, really the last of the of that original group. He was young kid at the time. He was a diplomat when he was a kid, technically. Yeah, uh, fluent in seven languages. Arguably the brightest president. He had the highest IQ, and, and all the historians agree on that. He had the highest IQ by far. He was in Congress for 18 years after he was uh, and, and he, he talked about that later in life, that he had great enjoyment in serving in Congress. He did not enjoy being the president. He he was elected in a very close election that went into the House of Representatives, and so he never had the cooperation of, of Congress and the Senate on, on his agenda. It was a battle every day uh, for him. So his, his years in Congress... And by the way, again, back to the slavery issue, he was speaking about the issue of slavery on the floor of Congress long before Abraham Lincoln raised mm. the issue. Mm. And the gag rule was put at the time for him, so he couldn't speak about it. That That's how bad it was at the <laughs> wow. time. I wow. mean, it, remarkable, principled guys that um, just gave it all for their nation. They truly did. Um, 
Uh, but I, good I, debate. We've lost good debate. There is no more. Now it's either you're a, you're a well, Nazi keep, or you're a fascist. Oh, it's awful. I mean, you can't I mean, have conversations anymore. Agreed. Now, now keep in mind, things weren't pure then either. I mean, the Adams Jefferson election was vicious. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, Jefferson hired ghostwriters, uh, story after story, and and just inaccuracies, misinformation. So, so you know what we're experiencing today. Is, you know, human nature is human nature. Times are different, but there was a lot of that went on at the time as well. It did. But even going back to the beginning when Adams, like you had said, was was masterful as a politician at convincing and, and debating with all of his cohorts in the in, in Philadelphia and able to turn people's minds around and turn. But that's what was that's what's lost. I think. Yeah. And, and why did he do that? Because he did his homework. He was well read. He was well educated. He understood the issues and he staked out. The position, you know, the old saying, lead, follow, get out of the way. It was almost like that in some of those sessions, you know. It was tricky, and, and it was harder to bring along those Southerners because of different circumstances, right? They weren't on the front lines of things. But uh, he, was, he was, again, I, I hope that during the next several years as we continue to talk about the Adams story that we're going to be able to do something to honor them in a greater, day, greater way than, what, than we have today. But, and, and I touched on John Quincy Adams, I mean, Fluent in seven languages, he was a minister and and a diplomat, and he he just again he gave it all. He was way ahead of his time too. He was so smart. He was talking about canals, observatories, and things that you know, people couldn't even conceive at the time. Yeah, right. Um, so sure. incredible, incredible contributors to what we're enjoying today. And of course, one of their along the lines, uh, one of my predecessors, one of the ancestors to them was Charles Francis Adams, who was the mayor. Quincy, one of the early mayors, then went on to become Secretary of the Navy under Herbert Hoover. I mean, it was generation after generation that that continued to serve and give. Uh, And I think this, you know, I mentioned about the slavery issue. I think there's also the, and I mentioned the partisan issue, which we're experiencing today, which which he was, John Adams was so concerned about he was worried that that was going to be a real problem for our country, and he's it was absolutely right. Once yeah. again, yeah. the mind that he had, he could see that coming. With the party system. With the party right. system. Yeah. Uh, but also citizenship. And and I think they set the standard for responsibility that comes with citizenship. Yeah. And I think we've lost some of that today. Uh, no question. So still the greatest country in the world. We've got some work to do. There's always work to do. But I, I wish we could just come to some some common ground from time to time. The extremists seem to be driving the agenda. Well, that's always the um, case, and, and mob-like mentality. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 I mean, and we've seen that with some of the Supreme Court decisions that uh, that have been made. You know, it was, it was and, and I, I don't want to get myself into trouble here, but it was okay in the 70s, 73, January 22nd, when the court ruled in that way, the liberals were thrilled but of course now it's political in their mind it's political it wasn't political then but it's political now yeah. the reality is these are strict constitutionalists that are looking at that, that voted this way right I, I tend to agree with uh, let the states and the people decide and it was never meant to be a system of federal government for the federal government to be dictating to the people it's pretty clear in the constitution yeah. what the role of the federal government was and should be so and i know different states are, are reacting differently to this but that's where the debate belongs. Things aren't yeah. easy. But Adams and them prove that you can get things done when things aren't easy. And shifting to um, more of the 4th of July celebration and what Adams had said, 
about celebrating this day, mm-hmm. celebrating the 4th of July as a, as a day that we should always remember as a country. What did he say specifically? Oh, it should, I don't have it in front of me. It should be celebrated with pomp and circumstance and fireworks and bonfires and uh, muskets and, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. And, and it, it has been. Traditionally, it has been doing, since yeah. then. Now, he said July 2nd because at the time, it wasn't fully ratified till July 4th, but July 2nd was the date uh, that he thought at the time. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. But they... they um, it was toward the end of his life when they were visiting the town people in Quincy yeah, at the time. Yeah. Who knocked on his door and asked him to be, want to be part of the July Fourth stuff. And and at that time he was very very up there in age and and not moving as well. And and they said, well, what what would you like us to say? We, you know, he said, I give you independence. And they said, anything more to that? He says, not one syllable. I give you independence. And that's the truth. Yeah. Him out of all of them was was preaching and speaking of independence. From that time, not only independence from Britain, but independence of party, being principled and following the, your your conscience. So always being principled and always integrity plus. Yeah, I look, mean, we could go on yeah. about a lot of the founding fathers and subsequent leaders and presidents and all, but we're from Quincy, so we're going to talk about the Adams, <laughs> right? So. And you know, I just saw a terrible poll that talks about. I think right now because the country's being very divisive, but there was a poll that the America's uh, national sort of. Um, want for for celebration of fourth of july is very very low but not here in quincy we just got through with an incredible celebration to fly day i think mm-hmm. we'll do the same thing when it comes to the fourth i think a lot of communities around us are, are feeling the same and they should feel the same I, I, you know it's um i know there's some some younger folks that think that everything is wrong with this country and how bad we've been um, i suggest they take a week and spend it in afghanistan or the middle east or or some of the parts of the world and come home and they might have a little more appreciation of home. That doesn't mean they're not entitled to an opinion. That's the beauty of what the founding fathers gave us. Freedom of speech. We're entitled to our opinion, but we're not entitled to facts. And, and I think that's been part of the problem in the debates and people out there running with misinformation and, and creates further division. What is truth? We know scripturally it's the truth will set you free. (laughs) That's right. Good time to end. Uh, this podcast, we just want to do a quick one and talk about Fourth of July. Talk a little bit about uh, yeah. In, in in that vein, let me let me just say that uh, how grateful I am to serve as the mayor of Quincy, this great city, the heritage that it has. I just wish everybody a, a happy Fourth of July and and remind people just to take a moment and think about uh, what's been given to us and the responsibility that goes with it. So I wish everyone a great, happy, safe cookout wherever it may be on the fourth. <laughs> I think it's a good note to end on, boss. So I will wish you a happy 4th of July. Wish everybody else a happy 4th of July. We'll see you next time Thanks, on City View with Mayor Tom Koch. <laughs>